I love gaming because it helps my family stay close together. I started gaming because my son began playing games when he was a te young teen. He started playing D&D, so did we. Started playing lots of other things, including online MMOs. And what was fun was we were hanging as a family. My son, my husband, me, we would uh, we played games together. And I figured out that middle-aged people can fly and can turn into different animals and can, can swim underwater and be seals and tigers and eagles and oh my god, had no idea. So it's super fun and it has gotten us closer as a family. You know, we maybe play a little more games on our own now? Not so much with the kids. <laughs> it's super fun. I love gaming. Um, I think it's actually helped my creativity too. It's helped uh, jazz some of, the, some of my writing and my filmmaking. Um, I like to make films with the dead gentleman when I can, and that's because of gaming. I'm Corey Moore, and I'm the Gamerati. Gamerati.com. It's good to be a gamer. Vapor Network is the bomb. The cutting edge of geekdom. Comics advice D&D Movies, video games, RPGs Finding it's easy, just stay calm VorpalNetwork.com This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Gamerati.com. It's good to be a gamer. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon store. Welcome to The Tome Book Club for January 2012. In The Tome's Book Club, we discuss in depth one D&D base book. And this month, we read Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Dungeons & Dragons by Shelley Mazenobel. And we are joined in this, or we will be joined in this episode with uh, Shelley here at the end. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to talk about the book and discuss sort of our thoughts and what we liked and what have you before we go off to the interview with uh, Shelley. So to start off with, I guess, Tracy, uh, what is the book? What is this thing? Well, the byline is one woman's quest to turn self-help into elf help. But I mean, I, like it's a nice line and I like it, but... It's really a memoir, isn't it? And that's what we talk about yeah, we later. Did, we talked about that with her a little bit. And so I think that I think at least my expectations were were challenged because from what it, from the title, I kind of expected it to be a self help book with with a D and D theme, mm -hmm. and that's and that's not really what it was. Although self help and self help books and what have you play a pro prominent role, sort of in in the story of the journey that, that Shelley takes. Her mom buys her a ton of them. <laughs> so, so don't go into the book expecting it to be a self-help book. Uh, instead, it's more of a story of what Shelley herself uh, was going through and what she was thinking and what she was doing uh, over the course of writing the book. It's actually, it's almost, it's very meta as as a book, right? I mean, it's it's. It's more or less the challenges of her life during the time that she was writing the book. Right. It's not. It's and not like looking back at her at her past and how she, you know, came to be the the juggernaut of, in the gaming industry that she is. Um, it's more of just this is what I've been doing the last few months. Right. And sometimes it's challenges she took in because she was writing the book. Mm -hmm. Like there are definitely times when she starts uh, almost playing with different personality styles or, or quirks uh, in regards to the deities, right? Because she's like, you know, a follower of this deity would do this sort of thing. And and she just tries stuff out like like a lot of people do, I think. Yeah, and I, I found it interesting because she takes each different chapters approach the theme of D&D &D in di different ways. You know, um, in some chapters, like the one you just referenced, where she deals with spirituality and, and gods and what have you, um, she sort of takes the takes the. And I thought found those chap these chapters very fun, where she says, you know, takes something directly from D and D and says, "I'm going to use this thing from D and D to guide my life." 
You know, whether it's that or going to the great dungeon masters in, in the Wizards of the Coast office and getting bits of advice or, or uh, analyzing their DMing style to, to get lessons on how to live life. You know, those kinds of things are, are fun and quirky little stories. And then, and then sometimes it's just, it's just the memoir of somebody who happens to work at Wizards of the Coast and on the D&D brand, you know? And it's less about living your life by the tenets of D&D and more about just Shelly and she happens to work on D&D. Yeah, I guess I didn't get that quite as much, although I can, I guess I can see why mm-hmm. you feel that way. And sometimes I wonder if it's because, you know, D&D is just, it's one facet of a personality, but at the same time, you know, like, figuring out how to play a game with kids is, to me, mm-hmm. is still very connected to D&D, even though it may seem only tangential in a chapter. No, no, no. And, and that that section... Um, works really well for me as well. Um, although there are there are times, and and she actually calls herself on this out on this as well. There are times where um, she she takes several left and right turns on her way to the point of that chapter or the point of that story, right? You know, and so and so you get through half of a chapter before you realize the D and D connection, right? Um, uh, and, and I and I sort of feel like the opening of the book works a little bit that way. And it's been a long time since I read the opening of the book, so I could be off base. This is just my my feeling as I, as I recall reading it is that um, the book in general sort of takes a while to sort of, oh, okay, I get the point <laughs> of, of how this is D&D focused. Right. Um, I can see that. So, and I, I didn't think it was bad. And it helps us get to know her and, and that helps us understand the rest of the book as well. It's just that uh, I want, I, I would want, uh, as a reader, I think it would have helped me to understand um, that that was going to happen and to be ready for it. Right. So. I can see that, yeah. I think the first chapter, I definitely had some had a harder time under. I feel like the first chapter stood out a little more than the rest of them, but I, I can't I can't pinpoint why. Well, in the first the first you know stories I guess of of the whole book are all about her getting the job at Wizards of the Coast and going out there and dealing with her family that were concerned that she was working you know on Dungeons and Dragons and doing all this kind of stuff, which is actually really interesting in its own way because it gives us sort of an insight into some of the inner workings of, of the company that makes the game that we love, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of us can identify with people who don't quite get the game that we're part of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Uh, seeing seeing those inner workings, and and that was one one thing I had with the book because I, I really liked it. But at times, because I've been fortunate enough to meet a f- you know a fair number of the people in the book, it's like I'm reading Shelley's diary almost instead <laughs> of that sort of thing. But I don't know. See, I know I know a handful of the people that that she references in the book, but there's a lot. There's also a lot of people that are just clearly just friends from from her life outside of work or whatever. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so. But I, but I did. Um, I, I enjoyed sort of. It, it, it does feel a little voyeuristic because I know I know her a little bit. You know, we, we we've right. been at Gen Con and we've emailed back and forth as because she works, you know, in PR, you know, and, uh, and that kind of stuff for Wizards. And so she's one of the people I've uh, on occasion worked with to set up interviews and what have you. Um, and so I've I've worked with her and I know her a little bit and I, and I know um, Bart, who's you know her during the time of the book writing uh, boyfriend and, and now husband. Um, and so I know him a little bit also from, from similar things, you know, working with the podcast and, and all that. Um, and so it does feel a little bit like there's these two people I know and, and I'm peeking at them through the window as they live their life and air their dirty laundry. And it does come off a little bit awkward sometimes, but just because I know them and I don't right. know, I don't know that's a problem with other people for other people. Yeah. And I don't know either. I mean, cause I, I've met Crystal Eck through the organized play, and I started my column with uh, Wizards of the Coast with Bart. So I'm just like, I know these people. It's like, but yeah. So um, I hope that doesn't skew too much, like my perception of the book compared to like how other people would like it. But I don't know. It was it was really awesome for me to read another woman's perspective mm-hmm. on on this crazy awesome game for me that was really great and but i don't know how that how other people and particularly how how guys will feel about it right and, and i feel like um i feel like 
there is there is a, a segment of the D and D audience that that is maybe not going to be as interested in this book. But I think you can pretty quickly gauge without you know investing into the book. I think you can pretty quickly gauge whether you're going to be interested in it by asking yourself: Are you do you enjoy her columns? You know, uh, she does a, a a series on in Dragon Magazine on DDI called uh, Confessions of a Part-Time Sorceress. Is that right? I think that's what it's called. I know, I know that was the name of our previous book, and I think the the column series is, is named after that. Um, and so if you enjoy that column, I think you'll enjoy the book. If you're somebody who's not into that column, then you probably don't want to invest into, into the time or money that, for the book. That's, that's just my sort of gut with the whole thing. Right. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And I think um, the other audience that, that might like it are people who are significant others or close friends with people who actually play D&D. Do you say that in terms of you think this will help them sort of understand the lifestyle or the culture or the hobby? Oh, I think they'll get the jokes <laughs> and the tensions and stuff. So, So you would have enjoyed this book four years ago? I think so. Okay. See, I, I don't have that. I don't have that perspective. I can't. I can't access that. You know. Because yeah. I, because I've been playing since I was eight. So. <laughs> and I really like the uh, adventure at the end. Where it's set up. Yes, although I kind of felt like the the ending of the previous chapter needed to sort of wrap up the story a little bit more. Uh, mm. you know the the journey of the book um i felt like the the little adventure at the end was was a really fun sort of epilogue you know um but i but i also f- sort of felt like i i was left without some sort of you know satisfac- satisfactory closure to the whole thing although you get a little bit of that with the the ending of the adventure right but i don't know i just i felt like i wanted some closure before i got into the fun quirky little adventure thing I can see that. Uh, one of the things I liked about the adventure <laughs> is that it, it kind of gives a different snapshot of how she views herself, though, because, I mean, she's the one that took the adventurer away from the tap house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oftentimes, I don't know, in, in D&D culture, it's kind of a... It, it feels like somebody will start dating somebody and they just kind of fall off the earth and... And things like that. So, sure. And, and I, uh, oh yeah, and I didn't even. I mean, I sort of took took it at face value. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's there's an underlying sort of theme there of people who leave the gaming group because of a significant other sort of thing, uh, which isn't exactly you know analogous to what happened. But you can sort of relate to that. Right. To that uh, situation. So no, that's good, and, and I, I did find it really fun and, and quirky, and, and I, I keep saying quirky. I should stop that. Um, I, I, but I did find it to be a really fun little ending to the to the story. Um, yeah. And and for people who haven't read the book, um, it concludes with an adventure where you know she describes this adventure of a party of 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 heroes going into the lair of a harpy to rescue the adventurer who has been kidnapped. The, and, and of course she plays the role of the harpy uh, and her then boyfriend, now husband Bart is the adventurer who has been kidnapped and turns out um, is you know, what, what, what is he? They, they actually find him just sort of sitting on the couch enjoying life. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh, he's okay. And it's It's, you know, it's got little, um, you know, perception check DC, whatever. And you do discover, this, that, and whatever, and they're all. It's 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 actually a nice little recap right. of, a, of a lot of the themes and stories that she told throughout the the, the book. It helps helps remind you of these things that sort of um, that are evidenced by the stuff in her in her house. Right. And on top of it, I mean, this has all been a kind of an adventure for Bart as well. So we don't get his side of the story, but you know, it's still an adventure for him too. Right. And I would have been interested actually to get a little bit of his side of the story. I, I tried to invite him onto the episode tonight, and turns out he had the, the stuff he had to do. He had classes and what have you. So I suppose I should, uh, if I wanted to do that, I should have tried to arrange it more than 48 hours ahead of time. 
well, we'll just have him on again for some other thing, and we'll we'll uh, ambush grill, him then. Grill him about it then, yeah. yeah. Or or maybe uh, we'll arrange for uh, to record another night to add on to this episode, and we'll get on Judy and Bart to to air all all of uh, Shelley's dirty laundry without her knowledge. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, so if that happens, people will hear that at the end of the episode, but somehow I I, I don't think we'll pull it off. So, but you never know. Or maybe we, we maybe we wouldn't want to pull it off. Maybe uh, Shelley would be upset. Right. All right. So, any other uh, last thoughts on everything I need to know? I learned about Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I think I'm okay. How about uh, you? I, I'm good. I'm good, and I enjoyed the book. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. We, we've taken a bit of a break from our normal um, routines here, though, for the last few weeks. You know, we did a comic for for um, what was it? November, December, um, and then we did this uh, book for January, and now I think it's time to get back into normal D&D book world. Dun, dun, dun. Do you, you want to tell people, before we go off to the interview with uh, Shelley, do you want to tell people what we're re- reading for the next book? Uh, do you remember what I said in that, in that uh, message on Twitter? I remember reading Eric's book. Uh, but I always mess up names. Shadowbane. It is Shadowbane. Okay. I couldn't recall if that was the old other book title. <laughs> so we are reading Shadowbane for the next book, and it is available in digital format only at this point. Right. Um, and I'm already halfway through the first chapter. Wow. Which isn't that impressive, but... But I am through the first, halfway through the first chapter, and so far I like some of the things I'm seeing. So, really? Uh huh. Sweet. Because so, I like Down Shadow, which I which I didn't read. Oh, okay. So this is this is my first uh, Eric Scott to be novel. Oh, nice. So I have information you don't have. You have this information is an I don't have. Of yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll be able to come at it from the old realms, Grognard. But you have the experience with um, you know. Uh, the author and and I don't know if it has similar characters or not. Um, so we'll find out. Yeah. All right. So we'll be in one month discussing that, and people should join us. And uh, hopefully by then I get the Mixler thing figured out, so we can have that going on. Well, so people can listen in. Uh, and if you're interested in coming on the episode and talking to us, uh, let us know and send an email to the Tome Show at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll see about getting some guests on to talk about it as well. So we're always open to that. Yeah, totally. All right. So I guess it's time to throw it off to uh, us talking to Shelly. Take it away, us. We are now here with Shelly Mazanoble, the author of Everything I Need to Know I Learned from Dungeons and & Dragons and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, welcome to the show, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And you too, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so nice to be here, Jeff. <laughs> uh, so, Shelly. Yes. Everything I need to know I learned from Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. Which you sort of frame in the concept of a self-help book. I do. Self-help. So, Elf, yes. so do you see this as a self-help book? Or how do you, how do you envision the genre or purpose of, of this book? You know, that's a really good question. And I have, I have such hostility towards typical self-help books, which makes it sort of ironic that people have read this and, and perceive it to be a self-help book. I saw it more like a memoir, I guess. Um, but I, I think that if somebody were to read this and become inspired by Dungeons and Dragons or their, their D&D character and make changes to their life and improve for the better then by all means, you can call it a self-help book. I'm just happy to see it in a bookstore. <laughs> right on. Well, no, and, and, and it feels more memoirish to me because it's, you, yeah. you don't overtly give people advice on how they should behave. It's more of you going on a journey, right. uh, going on a journey and seeing you know, how you should be. Yes, yes, my own, my own journey, which, which you're right, would, is, is essentially a memoir. As I understand it. Yes. <laughs> Right here, we're saying that's a memoir. Okay, so. there it is. There you go. It is, it is defined. The world knows now. <laughs> it's defined. Wow, and now we can put mechanics on it. So what does a memoir get you? <laughs> oh, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I suck. 
Actually, I, I do. I agree with the memoir thing, though, because when I was reading it, I was like, well, and I know I'm kind of in a, a different position because I, I know some of the people in the book, but it was like, I'm reading Shelley's diary and it's kind of weird, but awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, I read some somebody had posted about it and they said, you know, it's kind of self-centered to write a self-help book all about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if I, that was the intention, it, I guess that it sort of would be. So, yes, again, that's why I think in my mind when I was writing it, I kept thinking memoir, but it just happens to be, it just happens to be a memoir that is sort of couched in the, the tales of, or, or the, I don't know, the theme of self-help books. And it was certainly inspired by self-help books because of all the ones that my mother was sending me. So this was sort of my attempt at, um, crushing all of those and, you know, (laughs) enough of the self-help books. You don't need any of them. All you really need is D and D. So, you said was sending you. Has your mother stopped sending you, sending you self-help books? Yeah, actually. I haven't gotten a self-help book in a long time. Um, she did – she gave me a, a link to a magazine article. But, you know, it's kind of – the book came out four days before I got married. So it, it was kind of like – it was just such like a full circle moment for my mom. Like, ah, oh, like, you know, the book's out. She doesn't – I'm getting married. I, I think that she feels like all of her good work has just paid off. Like that's just what – that's the end of the road for her. But like we were saying before you guys started recording, I've gotten um, some magazine clippings and um, links to articles which are all about uh, women having babies in their 40s now. That's where we're at in life. So <laughs> we have moved on from from finding a mate to getting married to getting my finances squared away and – now we've moved on to actually it's perfectly okay for women to get pregnant in their 40s. But I thought you didn't like kids. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I really don't. Um, I Some Bart does, unfortunately. But uh, I kind of like the idea of being a parent only because I have been told by several people that have gone through it before me, you actually do like your own children. You still might not like other kids, but you will like your own. And that's kind of what I'm banking on. Right on. I hope. So, <laughs> it's yeah, not true I mean, with cats, that's for sure. But I don't have kids, so Jeff would be the only one who knows his answer to that right, question. But, but, Jeff, I, but, I'm, but I'm also a teacher, so I work with kids for a living. So, well, how old are the kids that you work with? Well, I work with middle school kids. So I like them. I can I can get along okay. with them. I think I'm just terrified, especially of babies. I don't know what to yeah. do with a baby. Yeah, I tried I tried to make a deal with my wife when we had our first child that that she would be in charge from birth to ten years old, and then I yeah. would, and then I would go from eight to eighteen, and we'd overlap for two years, to, you know, to make a transition. And I figured oh I, fig- I figured that would be perfect, and uh, she she didn't see it that way. That she didn't go for that. <laughs> It's a that's you know a good idea. I just don't know about that though. Who's taking that first decade? That doesn't seem like a fair deal to me at all. No. Yeah, I'm I'm a little scared of kids too. So I uh, I totally empathize with you during that chapter, particularly after the little uh, was it the kid that rammed you? Oh, on his big wheel. Yeah, on his big wheel. Yeah, I was like, or not hot wheels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like that's that's stuff that just happens. To me, they, it's kind of like they know I don't like them and they, they're like cats in that sense. <laughs> they can, they had, can sense it. I, I, th- I think you, you give them too much credit. <laughs> you think so? I, I know a lot of kids. <clears throat> I always well, thought that too. And then, oh, go ahead. Sorry, what were you saying, Trace? Oh, I was just saying, I always thought that too. And then I went to the Geek Girl Con and I met with uh, some of the people that were there and they had this little girl i think she's like five years old and then out of the blue like we're just talking and then we're crossing the street and out of the blue she just grabs my hand instead of her parents and i was like <gasps> oh that's really sweet <laughs> i was like oh yeah see and then things like that happen so i don't know there might be hope <laughs> we'll see i see well you're just gonna keep getting those articles if <laughs> i know i get the articles and then i get pictures of like little dresses and then she'll say like oh look like for baby at easter what baby what baby and why are you buying it clothes 
does not exist yet. But we know what kind of grandmother she'll be if she does get a chance. Well, so that kid will be very lucky. And, and it sounds to me that sooner or later she wins. Um, in, in in most of these areas, yeah. where she puts pressure on you, eventually. Now, I guess working at Wizards of the Coast, that w- that was not the case, right? She she didn't appreciate the uh, the career path that you had taken. She didn't understand it. She she didn't the Dungeons and Dragons to her was absolutely terrifying. She knew nothing about it. She just knew some stereotypes and just uh, couldn't believe that anybody would make her daughter work on such a thing and go on tours with the Dungeons and Dragons silver anniversary tour. That's when I started at wizards in her mind, just the things that, that they were going to do there, like make me dress up funny and actually put me in a dungeon and there would probably be weapons involved. And then I would come home and, you know, not, not be her same little moo moo. So she was, she was terrified terrified of the things that that D&D would do to me but thankfully she's come around on that one. All that stuff sounds good to me. I'd be at that con. <laughs> <laughs> Little does she know that stuff actually does happen. <laughs> <laughs> we don't tell her that. So so I'm curious what what if any is there or what is I guess is any if any is there is the relationship between this book and and your previous books in the same sort of genre? So the previous book was Confessions of a, a Part-Time Sorceress, mm-hmm. and that was more of a a very, very, very broad how-to, and its intention was really to introduce the game to women that maybe would, wouldn't have touched a role-playing game with a 10-foot pole. I think that there are there is definitely women who are more inclined to find D&D on their own and would never need such a book. There was obviously plenty of women who already did find D&D and wouldn't have a need for a book. I had it in mind coming from the approach of, of somebody who I've, I feel like, I still feel like this, and I've been playing D&D for five years now, that I'm the last person you would think would play Dungeons & Dragons. I just People who knew me in college or knew me in high school or knew me growing up, you would never peg me as a D&D player or as somebody that would even be remotely interested in D&D. And yet this game really appeals to me. And it appeals to me for, for reasons that, that may be different from a typical gamer. I really like the, the social aspect. I really like having a reason to get together with these people week after week. I like the bonds that we form. I love the storytelling aspects. I love making up characters. I love making up backstories. I love naming things. So give me a chance to, to make up a character and I will, I'll be there. I get attached to them. I love the relationships that we form on the playmat too. And so I just wanted to, to really bring that up to the surface so that when these people, maybe when their husbands or boyfriends or brothers or, or sisters or whomever were playing Dungeons and Dragons, that they would have something to relate to it with, that they would know it's not, it's not the game that you think it is. And that just because you might not be someone who gravitates towards fantasy or role-playing games in general, it doesn't mean that you should write this game off. There's probably something in it that will appeal to you. So that was hopefully the mission of the first book. And then I started writing the column for Dragon Magazine, and that was really just to focus on the lifestyle and again the social elements of of D anD D because that's the stuff that really appeals to me. I don't. I'm not into why a rule is a rule or why a mechanic is a mechanic or what certain things go into a class to make it better than something else. I just want to talk about what happens at at the game, what happens with the people that I'm playing with, what happens to us when we're when we're not playing <clears throat> because those relationships to me are are really interesting because these are people that. I might not have gotten to be as good of friends with if we didn't actually play a game together. And then there's, and then this book was really an effort to figure out what it is about D and D that's had it, it, that's got, it's been around for almost four decades that people have been playing it since the seventies and they're still playing it. And that when you bring up Dungeons and Dragons to somebody who played it in the 80s with his friends, you can still, you see it on their face. Like, they get that kind of glazed look. Like, they are back there in the dungeon. They are there with with their their friends. And it's always been fascinating to me about what it is about this game that that just has that appeal to people. And 
that coupled with my mom and all of her desires to help shape me and make me better and send me all her self-help books and the idea of, of D&D having such a positive impact on these people for so long, I just wanted to merge the two and see if living your life like your D&D character could, could actually make positive changes in your life. And I think, I think it has. Not to ruin the ending for you. <laughs> well, so, so, I mean, if, not, if nothing else, there, there's a theme between the two books of this is why you should play D&D. Yes. Okay. Yes, different perspectives on it too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that if um, someone like Chris Perkins were to write the same exact book, it would be a much different book. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it well, would be a great book too, actually. And, and, and I think you know people um, who have who have been around the hobby and, and and involved in it for you know the majority of our lives. It's hard to put us. It's hard for us to go back into that mindset of what what it's like to not not be involved in the game and yeah. and try to convince people that they should try it out. Yeah. You know? Or what it's like to see things for the first time or do something for the first time. Because mm-hmm. you guys have been doing it for years. Tracy, uh, Tracy, you haven't been playing for that long, have you? No, it's about three years. I mean, yeah. I've been around the game for a long time, but I didn't play. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I didn't necessarily know all the rules or anything like that. I, I knew enough about the lifestyle to make jokes and, and fit in, but, but not to... Uh, not not how to play or anything like that. So what was it that made you, you you might have told me this before, but what made you start playing for the first time? Um, well, there were like a few things going on. One was I was working from home uh, full time, and which meant I didn't get a lot of socializing. Mm-hmm. And and my husband, I mean, we'd been hosting the gaming group for years, so. There were people here I could socialize with if I just would play, and then I listened to the podcast and it, the PvP oh, uh, yeah, the yeah, arcade yeah. podcast, and it was yeah, actually was fun. So part of the problem is, is like when I was growing up, my brother and his friends would play, but they would be so serious about the rules right. that it wasn't fun to me. I just wanted to make jokes and <laughs> and feel comfortable and and things like that. Uh, so the combination of all of that led me to surprise my husband by joining the game, and it, it was really funny and cute. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. See, it brings couples together. It does. Yeah. But I, I think at first it was a little hard for them to uh, to see that, you know, maybe the things that they enjoyed about the game weren't exactly the same things I enjoyed. Um but we ended up having a lot of fun with it, and they uh, eventually pushed me to DM because I wanted to. But I was like, "You have to know everything to DM," and so and they said, "No, it's okay. We'll work with you. It's fine." And everything is set up perfectly for me to take over as DM, and I loved it. That's bold. Being <laughs> new and then oh yeah, it was only a few months on the later. Role of DM. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it was great. Jeff, does your wife play? No, I uh, I miss that window of opportunity. Um, oh. when, when we were dating in college at one point, um, she asked, "Can you know? I'd I'd like to try it out. Can I come and play?" And I was kind of like, "Well, this is sort of my world. It's my place where I sort of get away <laughs> from every, oh, from everybody yeah. else." And, and so I was hesitant, and she's like, "All right, well, never mind." And then like I mentioned it to my gaming group uh, a couple of weeks later, and like, "Well, that was stupid. You totally should have brought her in." <laughs> you know, it was like. You know what? You're right. And so I invited her, and she she wasn't interested anymore. And, and I've never been able to get her into it since. Oh man! So but I, I can see where you're coming from too, though. That it's if it's something that you you do with your friend, like everybody should have their own separate thing or their own escape. So I, in a way, I understand where you were coming from. Well, and it works out well now because we have kids, and so when yeah. I, when I'm off gaming, somebody's got to watch the kids. That's true. Although we usually game in my house, and the six-year-old is, you know, hanging out in the couch next to the gaming table, sort of looking over our shoulders, trying to see what's going on. Oh, it's just a matter of time. Oh, yeah. He'll occasionally ask, you know, who's winning? You know, the good guys oh, or bad guys? Cool. Who's winning? You know? That's sweet. So every night I get to tell him about how we won, we won D&D. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, Shelly, you had a... Um... You had like a survey in there, your unofficial 10-person survey about trying to get significant others to play. Yes. Do you have more insight about that um, than what you put in the book? Because like, I, I feel like I hear a lot of people um, who try to get their significant other to play, and particularly 
girlfriend or wife or something and it just yeah. didn't work out yes i i've heard i've heard those stories as well i think so a lot of people here at, at wizards you know where i did my informal survey are either married to or or dating other gamers so I'll, a lot of people are, are gaming with their significant others outside of here though. I hear a lot of the, with the resistant girlfriend, the resistant wife, one of my really good friends, her husband also works here at wizards and she's around people talking about D and D or gaming in general all the time. And she won't touch it. She's just, she wants nothing to do with it. In fact, if we talk about it in front of her for too long, she'll actually make vocal gagging sounds like she really just does not want <laughs> anything to do with D&D in any shape or form but she's not like she's kind of it's an anomaly to me because she actually does like fantasy mm-hmm. like she's really into Harry Potter she really loves Lord of the Rings like she geeks out on Battlestar Galactica like, there are things that I feel like would really appeal to her if she did give it a try but she I, she's I, resistant I, because I think she doesn't want to look like an idiot in front of him. Yep, yep. And I think that's that's a sentiment that a lot of people have, and it just re- it's really hard to convince someone who has these preconceived notions that D and D is all about the rules, and you've got to know the rules in order to play. That and you're that you're not going to look like an idiot because you know, and there's also the whole idea of wait, I have to role play, I have to do a voice, I have to make up a character, I have to act in front of these people. I don't want to do that. So. We, I, I still encounter a lot of people saying that they they can't get their significant other interested for the, for that very reason, and it's it's hard to, I think it's it's hard for them to be the dungeon master because there is a lot of pressure on them to make that person not feel silly or not feel stupid or to not play favorites with the other people in the group. I personally think it would be easier if you had someone else DM for you and then you two were just in the party together. But, yeah, I, I can see that. I, I mean, up, up till three years ago, I had many of the same reasons why I didn't want to play. And then yeah. the other thing was growing up, like, it was my brother's thing, and I didn't want to take that away from him. You know, I yeah. felt like this, like, he's really into that. Um, I was, like, a well-rounded student and everything else. I was like, I don't want to take that away from him. I don't. And oh, uh, really nice. I would have <laughs> been all over that if my brother played that. <laughs> Invited or not. So I, I've been kind of curious if it even would make sense to um, for like Gen Con to put a spa event that was playing a game, but totally outside of uh, Sagamore and uh, you know, a, this is going to be a fun D and D game that has not, that's nothing at all. What you think of D and D is like, but I'm not sure yet. I think that would be fantastic because Gen Con has actually been trying to, to get more of the significant others just at least to come. And they don't have right. to come and, and play and even walk the floor. Cause I, remember, I don't know if they did it last year, but I remember seeing that there actually were spa days there that your significant other could sign up for. Or they had, like, soap making or just other activities that were sort of related to fantasy or on the fringe <laughs> side. So something like that I think is a great idea, especially if you position it with you don't need to know anything. And actually right. it's better if you don't. Just just show up and and, like you said, not have it maybe – in the convention center. I think that would be really good. I think a lot of people would appreciate that. Cool. Now I've actually played with women around the office that have never played before, but they needed to know a little bit about D and D to do their job. So I ran a game for them and knowing what their personalities were like, I didn't make it a game about killing trolls or orcs or anything. Like we, we've killed, we killed reality TV stars. Right, because that's that's what they know. That's the they they knew the pop culture references. They despise yeah, these people. Yeah. So just putting them in an environment in which there's you can kill Kim Kardashian. I mean, I feel kind of bad saying that. I don't. I don't really want to kill Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't like her, but I don't want to kill her. But still, it was something that instantly got them hooked. So like, even just taking an adventure that, and then kind of customizing it to. What, what the the person's what their what their interests are. I think that that would go a long way too. So so speaking of reality TV stars, yes, let's you um, discuss at length your your love of various reality <laughs> shows, and yet come down on the greatest television show ever made, Lost. 
Oh. So how can you criticize oh. Lost and then espouse the greatness of Real Housewives? I, I don't okay. understand. <laughs> Lost is even more fake and weird and silly than the Real Housewives. It was the worst like time of my life when I tried to get into that series. I hate it with such a passion. With such a passion. Like, and now they're advertising it all over Hulu. And every time I see those commercials, my skin just crawls. And Bart is a huge Lost fan. So we've always been good for him butting heads on this one. But Lost is, it's just, it's bad. It's just that whole entire show made me feel like they don't even know what, what's going on and not in a good way. Like, they're just laughing at all of us because we're just, people were just following along to the next week to see. And they're just like pulling stuff out of a hat, but not in a good way. No. See, I don't think you get to call a TV show bad when you're addicted to Real Housewives. Oh, have you watched The Real Housewives? <laughs> Not intentionally, but I've caught a few minutes here and there. Um, that is some good drama. And you can find things in shows like The Real Housewives that would inspire you as a dungeon master. Because there are all sorts of horrible characters and villains <laughs> and plot lines on these shows. That's why I watch it, really. It's yeah. really just for it's, it's just to get character voices yeah. for, for your next harpy encounter. Yeah. Okay. And you know what, though? There is something <laughs> weird, yes, harpies for sure, about the watching something like The the Real Housewives or The Bachelor or whatever and playing D&D. And it is the social connection because on Tuesday when I come here to work, there my boss and I are going to talk about The Real Housewives endlessly. Like that is our, that's, that's one of the things that bonds us. And then there's people that will come in from other cubicles and they'll be like, okay, I, I admit I watched it too. And then they give us their impression of, of the show. But it's kind of the same with D&D. Like you have these things, these shared experiences that happen and they kind of bond you together. So I'm going with reality TV is actually it's good for you. It's good for your relationships, just like D&D is. But, but I don't think it has to be reality TV specifically. Well, <laughs> I suppose you could talk about Lost. I, 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 beca- I became about- good friends with about half the staff at, at my school over Lost. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. It is. It is. It could be any TV show. Are we getting into Edition Wars? I, I think a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> In my case, it happens to be reality shows because my mom watches them too and we like to talk about them. Right. Not that we don't have other things to talk about, but <laughs> so so getting getting a little more back into the book itself, um, and, and this all sort of ties together. But uh, th- some of the chapters, you it, it's very much D and D, right? It's very much um, I did this experiment where every day I was you know following a different D and D based deity or or what yes. have you. Um, you know, so some of them are very thickly ingrained into. D&D or how would I solve this problem using the concepts of D&D or whatever. Others, it's just sort of a tangential sort of, well, I happen to work at Wizards of the Coast where we make D&D and here's a story about my life. And I'm kind of curious about the, the process that you, that you used in tor- sort of figuring out what to talk about and how to, how to frame it and how to, how to do the, all that. So th- that is where a little bit of, of the self-help tomes did come into play because there's, they seem to be so categorized by like health, uh, money, family, relationships, finding the love of your life, all that stuff. And that I kind of wanted to touch on every one of those those elements so that I wouldn't be a complete hypocrite by dismissing my mom's self-help advice. I wanted to actually try to use D&D to improve all of those areas of my life. So it was just kind of thinking about going into it and thinking about how what what sorts of things, if I'm going to be trying to, to figure out my spirituality or some like well, I, that to me was an easy one because D and D is so rife with, with deities and, and gods and goddesses. And, and I think that religion does play an, an important role with your D and D character, but something more like just living with like moving into, you know, having Bart move into my tiny little condo. And that was <laughs> putting his minis in storage, putting his, he's still driving around with them in his trunk of his car. and yes most of them are in storage it's very sad but um something like that just kind of it felt i really was dealing with these things in real life while the book was in in progress so that just kind of felt a little bit more natural to feel like this is sort of what's happening to us like in game like the struggles that your characters would would face and the different relationships and the different oppositions and the opponents and the obstacles that come your way 
kind of just like laying that framework over my real life and, and seeing what had happened. So some of them I felt like were very, were very clearly easy to take a and d component mm-hmm. and use it. And then other ones, it, it just, it felt like it was happening more in a, a more natural way. Okay. And then some of them I had to beg my editor, what am I going to write about now? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Tracy, any more? How many minis does he have? Oh, he's <laughs> in the minis. I know. But Tracy get new ones all the time. Like he, oh, no. he has a lot of them here, too. And there's always, if he gets sad about his minis, he can just go down to Chris Perkins' desk and go through his 1,700 rubber-made tubs of minis if he really needs them. You know, my mini collection is, is woefully small, so if he ever needed a place to store them where, where, they, wouldn't, yeah. where, they, where they wouldn't be lonely, I, I'd, yes. be, I'd be happy to, to oblige. I well, have bananagrams, so <laughs> I'll let him know. But hopefully idea. we're getting those minis out of storage soon, we hope. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Does that mean there's a, there's a new uh, a layer in the works? I hope so. If you know anyone who wants to buy a one-bedroom condo in Seattle... Let me know. In like the 14th most popular neighborhood. Right? <laughs> I believe it's the 12th most popular. The 12th, 12th. Oh, so close. <laughs> but I know we can lose our power. So everywhere else in Washington State seems to be in the dark. But we didn't lose our power. So that says something. Although there, the assessment? I say there, there might be water damage too. I don't know. There may be, but I am. And, and, you, and you've publicly yeah. aired it. <laughs> I am paying for it. So you ha- all you have to do is just move in. <laughs> It'll all be taken care of, and there's really good positive juju in there too. Well, that's good. And a cat; she might stay too. <laughs> trying to work that as a gift with purchase. <laughs> a gift here, have my cat. Yeah, I don't know how she got there. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so the the end of the book um, concludes with some some uh, thickly laid in hints about big events that ha- happened in your life this last summer. Yes. Um, was what? What was the timing of that? Did, I mean, did you know that that was coming? Was that you know you knew that was going to sort of be how you concluded things, or was that sort of an addendum you added on, added onto the book quickly at the end because because you know you were proposed to all of a sudden? I feel like Bart gave me a perfect ending <laughs> to that book. I didn't know for sure that that was coming, but when he he proposed Christmas two thousand ten. So I hadn't finished the book yet. So I, I felt like, oh, thank God. Like, now I have this, this chapter. <laughs> now I can say this. Like I felt like all of the, the stuff that basically I had put him through and was, I admit, it was horrible to live with when he had first moved in. I don't even know why he proposed to me. But um, I feel like that was like, okay, good. Like people will know, like we made it. We're okay. <laughs> it's fine. He, I'm not that bad. Not that bad, but. I'm bad, but not that bad. I know what really helps is is having a, a cleaning service. That has saved us. It's totally worth the money. It, it's also possible that you're uh, overly self-critical. Perhaps. You, perhaps you, 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 you may come down on yourself harder than he comes down on you. And you know, like writing this book really – I mean obviously I was just so focused on my flaws and my quirks and my this and my that. Like it really was. There were, there were times when I was like, I'm a – I'm a terrible person. <laughs> Why do I have any friends at all? Thankfully, I had D and D though. See, and D and D helps your friends too. Deal yes. with everybody else. So everyone, yes, D and D helps everyone. Everyone, it's a win-win for everyone. So I guess to uh, wrap things up, who would you recommend this book to? Who should read this book? Other than the obvious answer of everybody. Oh shoot! Uh, but but specifically, what kind of audience do you think is going to get the most out of this book? Well, I, I definitely feel like um, the D and D audience would—they'll certainly get more of it. There might be things that that just will trigger a memory with them, or you know, they can certainly apply these these things to their real life as well. Um, so, I definitely think I, I, I had the D and D audience in mind when writing it because you know I, I wanted it to, to be positive. I wanted them to to feel like okay, this, this can apply to me too, or yes, that's the D and D that that I've been playing for years and love. But, you know, if, if, if there is somebody, I think it's broad enough that it, it could appeal to somebody who doesn't play D&D. I don't think that you have to know D&D to, to get some of the references. So certainly anyone who enjoys a 
self-deprecating memoir or has a relationship with their mother that is pushy and overbearing and domineering, then they'll certainly be able to relate to a few things in this book as well. Very good. And of course, everybody. And everybody. And everybody. (laughs) All right. Tracy, say goodbye. No, wait, one real quick question. <laughs> okay, no. okay, you can you can ask one more. Did you start? Did you start a Judy fan club yet? Oh, okay. <laughs> I have not started a Judy fan club. She has started a Judy fan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what were we talking about before? Oh, about her Facebook. She has a, a fake alias on Facebook, which I can't disclose because that's how she stalks people and acts as a voyeur. Um, but. She does need she needs to have a, a public fan club. And I think that if she did, she would she would come out of hiding and okay. actually talk to people. So she does she is sad that she's been portrayed the way that she has or that people don't understand her relationship. She is just rooted in good intentions. She's a wonderful mother. She is everybody's favorite. She's funny. She's loyal. She does give good advice when you ask for it. Um so she she's definitely worthy of a fan club. Woo-hoo. I'm creating a Facebook page right now. <laughs> <laughs> choose a category. Choose a category. What is she? Teacher, public figure. Gosh, she kind of is a public figure. Art, public art, figure. Artist, public figure. Name Judy. I can hear you typing away over there. Uh-huh. This is is exciting and frightening at the and same. I, time. And I'm just calling it Judy. <laughs> That's it. Just Judy. Okay. Could be Judy Bloom. <laughs> I, I feel like we would get a cease and desist for that. <laughs> Just Judy. Judy. All right. So everybody will uh, enjoy this conversation and then head over to Facebook and join the Judy uh, fan, fan page. <laughs> the Judy group page. Oh, I need a picture. You'll have to send me a picture. Oh, oh she'll. We really want to watch I'll find you something that would work. Very good. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Gamerati.com and Gamerati.tv, as well as our guest for this episode, Shelley Mazanoble. Show notes will be on our webpage at thetomeshow.com. You can contact us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Uh, go on the forums at gamershavenpodcast.com or call us on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Uh, so I guess we're going to call this the end of the episode, right? This yeah. has been our book club episode on everything I need to know I learned from Dungeons & Dragons, which uh, I think I can safely say is true. Everything I've needed to know in life I learned from Dungeons & Dragons at an early age of, of eight years old. I started playing and it served me well. And uh, Tracy's life, you're, you pretty much just started about three years ago living, so um, I think it well, work, uh, works out true in general. No, no, I played the video game when I was eight. I learned when you see a monster on the other side of that door, you close that door. Yeah, yeah, so you started living life about three years ago, and I think that works out well. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next month for uh, Shadowbane by Eric Scott DeBee, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm off the wall.